Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Community is Our Middle Name podcast, proudly brought to you by Grampians Community Health. My name's Gareth Oliver. Thank you for coming along on another journey with me for another week. This week, with mental health being a big topic across our community over the last few years, especially in, the, in light of the pandemic, I speak with Malcolm Hill, who works for GCH in the Better Life Dual Diagnosis section. Now, Malcolm is a mental health, alcohol and other drugs caseworker. We talk about the Better Life Dual Diagnosis program and what it actually is and how mental health and mental health issues can be compounded by issues with alcohol and other drugs as well. And when you get the two of them together, it can be quite a potent mix. So it's up to people like Malcolm and uh, and Ruth and some of our other amazing staff here at GCH to help people deal with those mental health and alcohol and other drug issues. And Malcolm talks a bit about how he does that, uh, about what the process is like, and uh, about his experience working across Western Victoria for the, the past... Oh, nearly a decade, I guess, for Malcolm. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. It's lovely to have a chat to Malcolm. Fantastic guy. Um, really knows his stuff. So this is the Communities I'm in Our Name podcast, proudly brought to you by Grandpa's Community Health, for you, your family, and our community. This week on the Community is a Mental Name podcast, I'm joined by Malcolm Hill, who is a mental health, alcohol and other drugs caseworker, and also a bit of a musician around the traps as well. Malcolm, thanks for giving us a bit of time to have a talk about uh, about your role and what you do here at GCH. It's a pleasure. Thanks for having me. No worries. Now, I, had I thought ahead, I could have got Mel to bust out the guitar and maybe give us a bit of a tune at the end of the show. That's okay. We'll have to listen to... Um, to the intro and outro by our, our former colleague, Mel, Andrew Parsons. Oh, excellent. So you work in the Better Life dual diagnosis area. For people like myself, and this is really bad to admit, seeing I've been at GCH for nearly three years, I, I don't know much about the Better Life dual diagnosis program. Can you give us a bit of a, a bit of an overview about what it is and what, what the goals are of the program? Yeah, it is for adults with a diagnosis, with a diagnosed mental illness, drug and, al- and or alcohol diagnosis or, or drug and alcohol use problem. So that explains the dual diagnosis part of it. I guess the complexity is, um, for us is in, in treating. Uh, as case managers, we're looking to establish a relationship with the individual and find a pathway or pathways for them to be supported towards their um, individual recovery. So, Mel, we might just backtrack a bit. How did you get into this role and what, what's your background? Because you've been at GCH for a little while, uh, I think. So So, what led you to the to a, a role as an uh, alcohol and other drug caseworker? Um, I left GCH after six years um, as primarily a generalist and EICD counsellor. I had a period away where I was doing another job, um, still in the mental health field, but in the private sector. 
returning to GCH was about reconnecting with the local area. The, I knew that there was a um, a lot of lot of need for supports, and when I contacted GCH, the position that was available was in fact um, dual, for a dual diagnosis caseworker. So it was a great opportunity for me to do something a little bit different, but also uh, still a very intensive sort of support role and work across a, a different team as well. What drew you into the sort of counselling area to begin with, though, uh, Mel? That's what you were doing beforehand, and I'm assuming there's there's an element of counselling in what you're doing now with the, the Better Life Dual Diagnosis Program. What was yeah. the main main draw for you uh, to go into that that line of, of work? Well, with counselling, um, I, I was really interested because I, I really liked the one-on-one nature of of working with clients. Uh, prior to that, I'd been working in FAMS, so personal helpers and mentors, which is an old mental health support work program um, that incorporated outreach, case management and day programs and outreach. Uh, so going into counselling was an opportunity to just sort of drill down a little bit into the experience of the individual and the treatments um, and supports for those are really well recognised. You know, we do a lot of CBT um, and interventions, but there was always an, a slight element of case management. You know, you'd be particularly in community health, um, and I think motivation was working in community health uh, for me. Just before we, we get into the, the Better Life Dual Diagnosis Program, I just want to get your take on the... Community health versus the the private sector. You said you went off and worked in the private sector for a little while. Um, mm. I remember when when you did leave GCH after that six years. A lot of a lot of very sad people because anyone listening, Mel's quite popular around the office. What was the what was was the main difference that you found between the two sectors, community health and and the private sector? Where I was working in the private sector was it was a, a private residential and. Um, I guess the biggest difference was where we, um, particularly in dual diagnosis, we or case management, we'd look to outsource supports if we couldn't find them internally. Um, at the centre where I was working, everything was brought in um, and ready for for the stay of the individual. So rather than referring off to a service that might not be available or that might be difficult to access, it was all brought um, right to the individual's doorstep, uh, literally. So because of that pre-arrival planning, um, the client could concentrate on whatever it is they were working on for themselves, whether it was for a few days, um, uh, for a week. Six to eight weeks was not uncommon for a stay. Um, so particularly where insurance providers were paying, so Veterans Affairs, TAC, without going into too much of that kind of financial detail. So what we have in community health is a huge suite of services available within uh, the the area, but you need to know them and you need to be able to uh, make those connections on behalf of the individual. So that's the biggest difference, I think, is the is the, the time saving. It sounds like it sounds really interesting, uh, and I'm not going to get bogged down on this too much, but mm. that that sort of uh, almost a one stop shop that you 
where everyone, all the services are available within this, this one organization versus the networking that you do in community health. And I'm not saying that there's one way is better and one way is not. I think they're probably both quite different. Both probably have their, their pros and cons. I just think it's a really interesting way to, um, the, the two different sectors go about it. And Mel, I, I guess in the community health side of things, you probably would have made quite a few good contacts. And I guess that helps when you are working with, with people in the, in the dual diagnosis sector. It absolutely helps to have relationships with individuals, even um, with your colleagues and peers, even if it means that you can just simply call somebody up um, and say, you know, did you get that email through with uh, or have you, you know, and and so that really supports local knowledge. But the, the most important thing in my role um, for that side of it would be an awareness of what the services are that are available and, and their referral pathways. Um, as much as possible, we try and refer in-house because GCH has got lots of great services, but, yeah, externally as well. And that can be um, quite overwhelming often for an individual with a mental illness and who's using alcohol and or other drugs a long period of being really very unwell as well, usually by the time um, they're referred to us. Well, that was going to be one of my questions was at what what stage normally are people at when they come to, to speak to yourself or, or Ruth or any of the other the dual diagnosis caseworkers? Yeah, myself and Ruth Sanders. Usually people have had, at, at least if I were to look at um, client histories through GCH, they've had quite a few um, engagements with the ser- with the services that we'd offer. Um, quite a lot of repeat engagements with the GP or with different GPs, health services from the outside of the area if they've moved to the local area. Often, um, quite a long history of uh, symptomatic or uh, chronic illness um, that also is needing to be managed and in some instances have had engagement with BLDD before. It's an 18-month program, generally speaking, um, but sometimes people are in such a, a place that it's very hard for them to get their, get to their full recovery or the, their space um where they want to be, even after that period of time. Mel, you're you're sort of based around uh, our at stall sort of area. I, I see you pop up in the office from time to time. Ruth, who we mentioned, is is based in Horsham. How many uh, how many people do you would you normally see uh, over say a month? Face to face appointments, probably um, fifteen. Yeah, no more than that, I guess. Um, maybe thirty people a month. I work in the Ararat office um, one to one and a half days a week and I also work in the stall office one to one and a half days a week. Uh, most of the time I work from home or the rest of the time I work from home. The reason I'm in Ararat and stall is that I travel from outside of area, um, start my working day in Ararat and then my accommodation's in stall. So I travel to stall and then usually start the next day there. Um, I have clients in stall and Ararat that I see face to face. So I try and try and juggle those usually over two to three uh, of the working days of the week. And how big's the demand across the area for, for the program? 
Initially, when I arrived, it had, the position hadn't been filled for, for quite a while and it was running down, although there was a still a wait list in Horsham. Since I've arrived and we've started advertising it um, through the wider networks, it was all, as well as within GCH, the referrals have come flooding in. I actually took uh, six clients just in the last seven days. So um, I'm not exactly sure what a caseload is uh, for a full-time employee. I think it's around about 20. Uh, I've got 16 BLDD clients, and I'm just doing a little bit of backfill support for a couple of other programs at the moment, mental health, alcohol and drug counselling and gambler's help while those positions are waiting to be filled. Sounds like there's a real need across the Grampians Wimmer community for these sort of programs, isn't it? One of the really rewarding things about coming back to GCH and one of the reasons that it was quite hard to leave as well was there was such a demand. You know, it's, it's such a unique area. It's a huge area. The, there's a great demand, particularly around and post-COVID for services, um, at least in the areas I'm familiar with. Um, so coming back into it feels like a, a really sort of worthwhile choice. Uh, personally and professionally. Is it different in the different parts of of the areas that we that we cover? Because we do just yeah. we cover a wide area from our rural city right across the, to, to Maribor and the central goldfields and then up into the the Mallee in West Wimmer and Yarriambiac and places like that. Do you do you notice that different areas in the west and northwest of the state have different needs when it comes to this the, the case management and the dual diagnosis stuff? It's, it's certainly for dual diagnosis. I couldn't really say um, because I just don't have that timeline of experience. I could talk about as a as a generalist uh, EICD counsellor previously, and also supporting Horsham clients for a period of time. There was a while when I was going up to Ararat once a week. Um, when I was based in store last time I was working at GCH and um, th- it seemed like there was a, a much greater demand um, for services in Horsham. There was a lot of lot of stress out there. I didn't have anything to do with Sananat at that time because that was covered by mostly by the Ararat service. So my client base at the moment, I'm doing a little bit of backfill for Horsham um, and I've got one Sonata client but I couldn't couldn't talk specific so you know I think um, broadly speaking um, the, most of the areas including um, you know uh, corrections referrals and things like that are fairly equally represented across the across the Shire yeah I, I just I just wondered because even though you know we're Communities are fairly close together, all things considered. They are quite different communities. And I know yeah. having worked in Ararat, having worked in Stall and having spent a little bit of time in Horsham as well, that you do face some, some different, um, uh, some different challenges in each town. And Ararat is very much a, a corrections town, the prison being the, the biggest employer by far. Whereas the further you go up into the Mallee, it's much more, you know, farming and, uh, and rural type stuff. So I was just wondering if there was a bit of a, Bit of a, a difference that you might have seen. But, um, yes. Yeah, I, mean, it's, I think it's an interesting thing to we could 
we could probably do a whole other podcast about that, Malcolm, and um, really dive deeply into it. Uh, we might take a really short break and we'll talk a, a little bit about uh, what you go through, what steps you go through with people are when they come to, to see you and um, we might even talk a bit about some of your success stories. So I'll be back with Malcolm very shortly. Community is our middle name podcast is proudly brought to you by Grampians Community Health. Grampians Community Health offers services across a wide range of Western Victoria, including the following local government areas. Northern Grampians Shire, our rural city, Horsham Rural City, Pyrenees Shire, West Wimmera Shire, Hindmarsh Shire, Yarriambiak Shire, Central Goldfield Shire, Southern Grampians Shire and Bullock Shire Council Regions. Services available from Grampians Community Health include alcohol and other drug support, carer support, community aged care and disability support, including NDIS, support coordination and plan management, counselling across a wide range of sectors, gambler's help, community mental health support, and much, much more. For more information, head to our website, gch.org.au, or give us a call Monday to Friday, 53587400 between business hours, or stop in and visit us in one of our offices in Ararat, Stall, or Horsham. Grampians Community Health is proud to bring you the Community is Our Middle Name podcast. And of course, we are also proud to be here for you, your family, and our communities. Welcome back. Malcolm Hill, who is a mental health, alcohol and other drugs caseworker, part of the Better Life Dual Diagnosis program here at Grampus Community Health, joining me this week. And Malcolm, we're going to talk a little bit about the uh, the BLDD, as you called it, the Better Life Dual Diagnosis Program. Yeah. Someone goes through through intake at GCH, uh, and if anyone wants to know about the intake process, we did do a, a show with Kate Asprey about that, uh, or about eight episodes ago, nine episodes ago, and then they get referred on to you. What what then happens when some someone... Uh, is referred on to you when you get in touch with them. What's what's the process like for that person? I suppose the first thing to do is to uh, try and build a rapport. Early in the piece, we're looking to find gaps in service provision or or things that uh, where the client hasn't necessarily been aware of what their needs are. So that'll be um, a conversation. Um, looking at what their what their goals are, what their drives, their desires are um, for themselves, what their expectations, what their hopes are. Part of that, we talk about, you know, the longer term sort of support of the program. Uh, keen to hear from them about things that would be very very hard to talk about. Um, sometimes things that uh, somebody needs most, financial counselling, as an example could also be a really, really difficult trigger for an individual. So um, finding out what to tread lightly around, but the areas, identifying with the client, the areas that they that they see as being really important. Often uh, initial referrals will be to uh, a drug and alcohol counsellor or a trauma counsellor um, or even engaging with their existing supports. I guess your background as a council would come in really handy then with a lot of this stuff, wouldn't it? Yeah. I mean, it's important to say that B 
BLDD is specifically not counselling. Um, yeah. But yeah, in terms of, of engaging with somebody um, and and taking the information out of the conversation, um, the information that they've given us, I think yeah, I think those that experience certainly helps. Yeah, very much so. So you said before the break that you you can work with people for up to eighteen months. Yeah. Um, is that, is that a normal thing, or is it usually? much quicker or is there, is there no real sort of, you know, this is the time that we'll spend. It's just sort of individual yeah, basis. Uh, it doesn't have to be for 18 months. Um, some people might disengage prior to then. Um, some people might improve prior to then. And some people may need an extension on that. Um, the 18 months, I understand, is the funding model. Okay, yep. So people aren't locked into this for 18 months, though, are they? They're not locked in in any way. Yep. No, yeah. no they, can, they can disengage with or without notice at any time. Yeah, and I guess that's up to the individual as to how much they want to seek that help, doesn't it? Yeah, you know, we've got a responsibility to, to try and forge enough of a relationship to to have that, but... You know, people, and I think one of the reasons for the longer engagement opportunity is that, um, you know, if somebody's dealing with mental illness and drug and or alcohol addiction, um, there's usually such a backlog of other stuff that they're still struggling to deal with that, you know, they can't can't really be rushed or forced. And I guess the other thing is that when you are making referrals out, um, you've got to anticipate that there are going to be wait lists here and there. So, you know, I know with counselling, you might have six sessions, you might have 10 or something like that. So this, this, um, avoids that, the rep, re, uh, presentation, I think. Yeah. Potentially. I think, um, just anecdotally, a couple of clients have said that of themselves that they're in the too hard basket um, that they'll see someone for a month or something and then it won't work for whatever reason so in some instances I think it's been reassuring to be able to say well this is a longer term funded program so we can work at a pace that's 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 reasonable for you. And how does that generally work out because when you I was going to ask when you mentioned that people have put their hands up themselves and said, look, I, I, it's too hard for me or maybe I'm not ready to do this. And when you come back to them and then say, look, we've, we've got a year and a half, we've got this period where you can come come back and we can continue working. How does that generally go with, with people? Not so much that they go away and then come back. We, I'd be seeking to maintain some sort of contact over that time, but the couple of individuals that I've spoken to um, or, or about that have acknowledged it as something sort of worthwhile that maybe maybe there's an opportunity here. I mean, to me, that takes a bit of guts on behalf of that person to, yeah. well, to one, Very, to seek help, yeah. but then also yeah. to, to then say, look, yeah, I know I need this help, but I don't know if I'm ready for it yet because I think oftentimes we... We always encourage people to seek help, and we would never discourage anyone from seeking help. 
But I, and you would have seen this, Mel, in, in, in your career that you can only help people who are at that point where they're accepting of wanting to change or wanting that help. Would, would you agree with that? Um, to a large extent. I, I mean, some of the people that I've spoken to in the last few weeks have been referred um, straight out of whilst they've actually been on the board. So they come out with an un, and have had so many workers past and present that they come out fairly uncertain of what your role is, who you are, who you even work for, what your actual name is. Um, so even just having that conversation um, and that presence over the first few weeks of engagement, I think sort of starts to clarify a bit of that because you can give somebody the spiel and, and say, yep, so you've, you've been referred because you uh, have a diagnosed mental illness and you also have a drug and or alcohol um, substance use problem that you've acknowledged. Um, not what somebody else has decided. And my role as a case manager will be to work with. But certainly throughout that period and even after the initial referral, you find people in not in pre-contemplation mode even, you know, um, vehemently against uh, the idea of of engaging with treatments but then that'll change over a period of time um, as contemplation sort of sets in, you know, that cycle. So um, I suppose being available to work with individuals around that is, is, is I think, quite a privilege for the worker, but um, also potentially a good opportunity or good service support for the, the client receiving service. And I guess part of your role and Ruth's role as well is for those people who are perhaps still a bit hesitant or a bit overwhelmed uh, yeah. is is to to just keep that contact make you know even if it's a phone call every every couple of weeks just to check in and say yeah. how you going isn't it yeah you can just be a grounding presence and a and a safe space so you know if some of those um, counseling skills would come in handy I wouldn't be counseling but I would I would be you know, using some of those sort of listening skills and things like that. Yeah, very important for just for people with mental health. Without, we'll put the alcohol and other drug stuff to the side, even just for people dealing with mental health issues, just having someone knowing there's, who's there to, to listen is, um, is huge. And then, of course, we put in the alcohol and drug stuff, and I think um, – I think you guys do a, do a great job, and, and look, yourself and Ruth are both very very personable people, both very easy to get along with. So I, that probably helps as as well. Mel, what's been probably for you, maybe not necessarily your biggest success, but what what gives you real satisfaction from doing this job, and you know what outcomes have you seen that you've really made you think I'm I'm making a, a real positive change here in someone's life. Usually when a client reports back to me that some a referral that we've made on their behalf has been really effective or really worthwhile for them, or even, you know, we're, we're not necessarily setting the bar as we might for ourselves, 
you know, just attending a few sessions and getting can can often it feels feels really rewarding. And I think the other thing is um, probably if if I refer somebody to a colleague who I know well who provides a wonderful service, and I know this because of their experience and their track record, having a client come back to me and say that they've had a good engagement with this or that staff member, whether GCH or externally, that's really rewarding. Yeah, and I think the passion of the a lot of the staff, often the support networks of the the clients, um, and you know the clients are real people with great great wealth of experience. And once you sort of dig, get an opportunity to dig down into that and respect their their choices and their experiences, and then that also is 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 really worthwhile, really rewarding. Yeah, you get to learn a lot about different people, I guess, wouldn't you? It's very humbling, yeah. Mel, anyone who might be listening, you know, might know someone who's having some issues dealing with their mental health as well as perhaps some issues with, with the AOD stuff or, or mm. they themselves have those issues and they're unsure about what to do, about whether to go and, and seek help. What would you say to anyone listening who knows someone like that or perhaps is in, in that sort of situation? I would encourage them to um, get in touch because we can um, and we are getting quite a lot of inquiries at the moment, which may or may not turn become referrals. But really, really happy to. And I'm sure I can speak for Ruth as well. Really happy to discuss referral pathways and supports. And if it's a case discussion with a bit of history, then that's absolutely fine. Um, you know, really happy to make time. So, yeah, get in touch, ask the questions. Um, if I don't know, I'll find out. Can people self-refer to this program? Yeah, absolutely they can, yeah. Um, and for more information, we'll head to um, gch.org.au. We'll have some info on our website about the Better Life Dual Diagnosis Program or give us a call, 5358-7400. One of our lovely uh, customer engagement officers will be able to put you onto Mel or onto Ruth who can um, perhaps give you a bit more information. Mel, one last thing before we uh, put a bow on this episode. Uh, have you got any last message that you'd like to get out to, to anyone uh, or just to the general public about uh, mental health and alcohol and other drugs and uh, your work as a better life dual diagnosis or even any gigs you've got coming up? One thing, it's just a really heartwarming thing that I just learned in the last couple of days with a new referral. The client uh, talked to me about the fantastic service and support they'd had from the staff at um, the front counter at GCH, I guess I could say stall, but they'd really been, felt really well supported and I followed up with some of the staff and they really knew the client, they really cared, they really looked out for them and I guess, and they were also able to give me a real insight into the client who I'd not met at this point uh, from their experience. Um, Keep talking to everybody within the organisation, you know, there's some wonderful people doing wonderful work and also I guess that makes the client feel really safe and and supported and that makes engagement better too, easier for them as well. Yeah, trust is a, is a big thing, especially when yeah. people are dealing with mental health and uh, AOD mm. issues, isn't it? 
Yeah, and it's wonderful when you get really good feedback. Um, yeah, about the service, the front front service staff. It's Today is actually National Receptionist Day, and we we oh really <laughs> yes, wonderful. so we, we're giving well, him a pump up on the right day. Um, they deserve it, yeah. And yeah, we we did uh, give them a shout on our socials today as well. The uh, the GCH All Stars, our customer yeah. engagement, crew. and and I I echo everything you said, Mel. And they're the they're literally the face of the of the organisation for a lot of people. When you walk into Arat Stall or Horsham, or they're the first voice you you speak to uh, on the phone. They do a brilliant job. But as you said, many people across the organisation doing uh, great work, including yourself, Mel, and. Um, Ruth, and uh, thanks for coming on the podcast and having a chat about the BLDD program. Thanks very much for having me. Thank you again, Malcolm Hill, mental health, alcohol and other drug caseworker, part of the Better Life dual diagnosis team, along with uh, along with Ruth here at Grampians Community Health, and they both do an absolutely amazing job working with people suffering from mental health and alcohol and other drug issues. And uh, there's probably more than what we what we we know. Unfortunately, it uh, doesn't hurt to get help. We always encourage people to seek help wherever they are in the area that GCH covers. And of course, we do cover a huge part of this beautiful state we call Victoria from the South Australian border right across to places such as Sonata and Mariborough in the central goldfields, down as far as Ararat, Lake Bolac, uh, up into the Mallee. We cover a big area with our programs. If you'd like to know more, go to gch.org.au and that will tell you where you can find us, where we where we cover and what services we, we do offer. And you can also give us a call Monday to Fridays, 5358-7400. During business hours, talk to one of our amazing customer engagement staff who can point you in the right direction or visit us on site in Stall, Horsham or Ararat. This podcast is available to download and to subscribe to on Spotify, on Podbean, on Apple Podcasts, on iHeartRadio, TuneIn, anywhere you can find good podcasts. It's easy. You just hit that like button or subscribe button and every episode will get downloaded straight to your listening device, be it your phone or your tablet or your desktop. It's as easy as that. You don't even have to worry about when we put the links up on the socials to uh, to get a hold of the latest episode. Uh, speaking of our socials, you can follow us on there too. Facebook.com slash Grampians Community Health is our Facebook page or you can just Jump onto Facebook, search Grampians Community Health in the search bar on there. And if you're on Instagram and Twitter, so are we. At GCH Grampians is our handle on both of those. So give us a follow across all the socials. See what's happening across our area and, and what's happening here at GCH. Uh, we, we keep them pretty, pretty regularly updated. So uh, always something happening on our socials. The intro and outro music for this episode of the podcast is an original composition by Andrew Parsons and uh, he made that especially for the podcast and we use that with his permission and his we, we give him our, our thanks so thanks again Andrew for the beautiful music that you provided for us to have on the, the show and this podcast was recorded and produced on the traditional lands of the Jabba Wurrung people and we wish to pay our respects to all elders past, present and emerging thanks for joining me again for another episode of the Communities of Middle Name podcast. I'll be back again very shortly with more. 
My name is Gareth Oliver. Uh, it's been great bringing you this this episode and uh, having a chat to Malcolm. I'll be back again, like I said, very soon. Until next time, I'll say so long from me. And uh, don't forget that Greenpeace Community Health is here for you, your family, and our community. <laughs>